All right, Travosai, good morning, good morning. Let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's share. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of E.R. Yon and Shushi Ehrenfeld for dedicating Shurim this month in memory of their grandfather Yosef Ben Shmuel Aaron Zichron Lebracha, Benjamin and Elise Wall of Netanya Israel for dedicating the Shurim this month in memory of Moshe Chaim Ben Tzvi Hirsch and our week of learning sponsors, Ari and Haley Lichtman, Li'iloi Nishmas, Haley's mother, Rachel Leah Bas Ruvain Mayer. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. Now listen, with that, let us begin. I, I hope I was able to convey in my WhatsApp message last night just that this is a, a pretty good daf ahead of us. I, it wasn't, took me a little while to wordsmith it, but I will say it's, it is very exciting because the truth is, over the next couple of days, we have some really incredible sugyas, some really incredible pieces of Gemara, and some really incredible sugyas. So it's also an opportunity, if a chaver of yours is not yet here at Shir, I already sent a couple of text messages after davening, but if there's someone you know and you care about who's not here, who's not here, it's Kedai to reach out to them, to say, where are you? Where are you? We're about to have transformative, cathartically overwhelming Gemara. How can you miss it? It's not the same on the podcast, and it's not the same later on. At least the Chavra and Zoom are here together live. So it's a good opportunity. If you have something beautiful, you want to share it with your fellow Jews. So with that, let us begin. So really beautiful, so get, and, and fascinating halacha lamaisa. We'll try to do it some level of justice, but I'm also going to give you some additional marimakamos to be able to look at on your own to enhance your appreciation and develop your understanding of this sugya. So today's daf is Samech Beis 62, and we are picking up on Samech Aleph Amr Beis at the Mishnah. Says the Mishnah as follows, What we're about to engage in is the sugya of Piri of Arivya. There's a mitzvah procreation. Again, what that mitzvah is, technically speaking, at what point does one fulfill that mitzvah? That, those are the details we're going to get into right now. But this is the sugya of Piri of Arivya, of having, in the mitzvah of having children. This is where this sugya appears in Shas. And I will say, just to orient you, interestingly enough, this, these halachos are contained in Simon Aleph of Evan HaEzer. And by the way, I would urge you, to, we're, going to, we're going to go through a couple of halachas today, but it's Kedai just to take a look in the Shulchan Aruch to read through it. It's actually not a complicated Simon. It's a pretty straightforward Simon. Simon Aleph, Evan HaEzer, Hilchos Piri of Arivia. And so much of what we're going to do today is going to be contained in those Si'ifim. So the Mishnah says as follows, A person should not be mevatel. Should not, I will say, even here the Lashon is interesting. A person should not negate the performance of Piri of unless, of course, he has children. I will say, just again, there's so much to say here. This is also that um, one of my favorite sugyas because it brings me back. You know, I will say, sometimes you learn things and you know there was a there was a famous there was a famous Misa, a famous Misa with Sigmund Freud, that there was a woman who came to Freud and she wherever she went, she smelled burning bread. She smelled burning bread. And she could not, no matter what it was, she went to doctor, she thought it was an issue. She's always smelling burning bread. So she comes to Freud and Freud psychoanalyzes her. And it turns out to make a very, very long story much shorter that she worked in a bakery and her boyfriend, who she was, you know, seeing for a very long time, who they, were, they were, had plans to marry, came to her at work and said to her, we're breaking up, we're breaking up. 
And she was so traumatized by all of this happening, she forgot she had bread in the oven. And ultimately, again, the, bre- the, bread, the bread burnt. So subconsciously, the smell of burnt bread was associated, was, was intertwined with this traumatic breakup for her. So wherever she went, she smelled burning bread. So lahavdil, the same is true in the positive as well. You know, sometimes you see things, you learn things in life, and they take you back to such a, to such a good time. So I remember I did this, we, I learned this sugi with my chavrusa when we were in the Yad Yan Kolal at, uh, at YU at Yeshiva University, and we did this sugya Perevirivya, and we spent a long time on this sugya. So whenever I come to this, it always takes me back to a much simpler time in life, just sitting in Yeshiva and learning and steiging. So a special appreciation for this. So I want to point out to you something very interesting, which again, beyond the scope of our share today, but there is a whole discussion, what is the mitzvah of Perevirivya? What is the mitzvah Perevirivu? So I will say, it can't be, the mitzvah can't be having children. Why can't it be having children? Because you don't have control over that. Right? I will say, so again, lemaisa, the only time a Baruch Hu could give me a mitzvah is if it's biyadi lekaimo, if it's in my hand to fulfill it. So obviously, so the mitzvah, to have, everybody wants to have children. Everybody, people want to have children. But you know, like the, you know, some sechas tainis, there are gimel maftechos. There are three keys that are held by a kaddish baruch Hu. One of them is the maftech shachaya, the key of life. So I don't control the five children. Therefore, again, the minchasin already brings down the mitzvah pirivirivia is not to have children. The mitzvah pirivirivia is to try to have children. So to have a marriage. So this gets into the whole discussion, by the way, about whether or not marriage itself is a mitzvah. Is there a mitzvah to get married? Or is marriage just the vehicle through which I could fulfill the mitzvah of Piriyavarivya? Also another fascinating machlokas. But the mitzvah of Peru or Avu is to engage in marital intimacy to try to have children. That's why the Mishnah words this. And I will say, at what point in time has one... So when do you quote-unquote fulfill the mitzvah? So you fulfill the mitzvah when you try. Right? The husband and wife are together. That's a fulfillment of the mitzvah of Peru or Avu. At what point in time am I, quote-unquote, exempted from further pursuing the mitzvah? So that's, again, when you have whatever it is. We'll see what, what, whatever number of children it may be. So that's why the Lashon of the Mishnah over here is, Lo yibatel adam mi A person should not stop trying to engage in the mitzvah piriverivya. Unless he has sons. You have to have sons in order to fulfill the mitzvah. Beishamay and Beishamay says... Now we'll say, so banim is a generic term for children, right? It doesn't mean sons, it means children. The Shaila, of course, is, okay, so how many children, what gender of children do I need in order to go ahead and, in order to go ahead and um, fulfill the mitzvah? So two sons, a boy and a girl. So we'll say, fundamental machlokas, at what point in time have I, quote-unquote, fulfilled the mitzvah perivirivya, beishamai, two boys, Beis Hillel, a boy and a girl. Shene Emar, Zachar Unekeva Bera'am. Because Beis Hillel, again, we'll get into their, we'll get into their respective opinions. But Beis Hillel holds Zachar Unekeva Bera'am. Hashem created them male and female. Adam and Chagash so to speak, first children, or a boy and a girl. So, so too, one only fulfills the mitzvah perivarivya if one has a boy and a girl. Okay, we'll see. Says the Gemara. There was an interesting diak over here. It's only once a person has a certain number of children. First of all, the common denominator between Bishan and Beis is number of children. 
right? Which is interesting. They both agree that the number is two, right? The machlokis is the gender, right? So Basilo, boy and girl, Beishamai, two boys. The Gemara makes an interesting diuk. Even after you have either two boys or a boy and a girl, that's when I fulfilled the mitzvah of Pirivarivya. So I will say, so the Lushan is, me Pirivarivya bottle. You could stop trying to have children, but me Isha lo bottle. But there is still a mitzvah to be married. There's still a mitzvah to be married. So after having a boy and a girl, I have to having two boys. I don't have to further pursue the mitzvah Pirivarivya. But lest you think that that means you don't have to be married either. Not true. You still have to be married. So the Gemara says, we'll discuss why that is. The Gemara says, Even if a person has many children, ultimately a person should not live without a wife. Right? A person, a person ideally should try to be married. It is not good for a person to be alone. So this is incredibly profound. Rabbi Soloveitchik has, has a beautiful essay about marriage, and he quotes this Gemara, and he says, you see from here that marriage really serves two purposes. There's an element of marriage for procreation, and there's an element of marriage for companionship. And what Gemara is trying to highlight over here is, while whereas procreation is important, companionship is incredibly important as well. See, when the procreative aspect of marriage is no longer needed, right, is no longer needed, the companionship aspect of marriage is an absolute necessity according to the Gemara. The Gemara in the end of Amad Beis, I don't think we'll get to it today, but go elaborates on this theme a little bit more. Amri, others explain, I will say, now there's an alternate version of this. The alternate version of this is, according to based on the Mishnah, once you have children, you no longer have to fill the Mitzvah Isha. And I will say, we would assume that if there's no Mitzvah there's also no need to be married. Say that this is a refutation of Rav Nachman Shmuel, because Rav Nachman Shmuel said, a person should not live without a wife. So Amr Shmuel, so the Gemara says, No, no, what it means is like this. If a person doesn't have children, he's getting married, he has to make sure to try to marry a woman who's capable of having children. What happens if a person already has children? No, say Isha Dalav Basbanim. But say if a person already has children, and let's say again, let's say his wife with whom he had children, he's no longer married to, for whatever the circumstances, now he wants to get remarried. If you already have kids, you don't have to marry a woman who is capable of having children. I will say we're going to see that halacha, which is quite a fascinating one. Nafkamin, I will say, what's the nafkamin over here? Limkar sefer Torah bishvil bonim. Ultimately, I will say this is fascinating. Are you permitted to go ahead and, say, let's say a person has a safer Torah, a person wants to get married, a person wants to get married, they don't yet have children, they want to get married, and, but they don't have money to get married, the only item they have in possession is a safer Torah. Are you allowed to sell your safer Torah in order to get married? So the Gemara says something amazing. The Gemara says it depends. If a person is unmarried and also hasn't yet fulfilled the Mitzvah Pira then you could sell the safer Torah in order to get married. In order to get married, but if a person already has children, but he just wants to get married because of companionship, he cannot sell a Sefer Torah. Look at Rashi, Limkar Sefer Torah. So if you don't, if you don't, if you're not married, you don't have children, you can sell a Sefer Torah to facilitate the marriage. But if you already have children, if you already have children, you cannot sell the Sefer Torah. 
to get married. Abba. So what comes out of this Gemara is we passing like this statement of Rav Nachman and Shmuel. We'll see it again, like I said, probably more in tomorrow's daf, that there is this duality to marriage. There's the procreation aspect of marriage, and then there is the companionship aspect of marriage, right? There's the idea that a person gets married in order to facilitate the building of a family, but also like Rav Nachman says in the name of Shmuel, Lotov Adam Levado. It is not good for a person to be alone. We'll expound on that in, in just a little bit. It's good for a person to have someone else with whom to share their life. It's good for a person to have someone else to also keep them on the proper path in life. There are these two aspects. Said, by the way, it's also, I just want to point out, incredibly amazing that we're learning this Gemara on Mother's Day, right? I, I'm just saying, like, it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, someone, someone once said that um, a man was telling me that he doesn't do anything for his wife on Mother's Day. He said, because she's not my mother. She's not my mother. And I said, okay, and how's that going for you, right? So I was like, so I'll I, I just point out to both say, so Lamai said, it's so important that a husband does something for his wife on Mother's Day. Because I will say, I just want to point out, the fact that one's wife is a mother means that she enabled you to fulfill the mitzvah peru revu. The mitzvah peru revu is not, is not a woman's mitzvah. The mitzvah peru revu is a man's mitzvah. So while it's true that your wife is not your mother, right? Although in your bummers, we've seen anything is possible, right? 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 But 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 Lamaisa, as as much as much as well, say, but think about this, right? How much akaras atov that a husband has to have for his wife on Mother's Day as well. First of all, for being the mother of one's children, is is the is is the ultimate ultimate accomplishment. That, that a mother has. I mean, whatever other accomplishments in life she has is, are incredible, but the ability to be a mother, not just in a physiological sense, but the ability to have a direct hand in shaping the next generation is such an unbelievable and overwhelming zechus. A man has to recognize that identity and express appreciation. So if you have not yet done anything for your wife for Mother's Day, right, you could leave Sheer a few minutes early, like at 8.58, right, and, and do something. And it better be good. It better be good. Not like, not Rite Aid card, you know, where you just come in and forget to sign it and hand it over, right? It, it's got to be something of significance. A, because again, a wife is the, gives us the ability to fulfill the mitzvah. And also because But these are the two aspects of marriage, right? The idea of a companionship and a procreation. Incredible. Let's go right there. So I'll say, let's let's get into this Beishamai Beishilal. Incredible. Beishamai Om Shnei Zacharim. So I'll say, so Beishamai says, Beishamai says two sons, right? So Machlokis. Beishamai says two boys. Beishilal says a boy and a girl. My time of Beishamai. I'll say, where does Beishamai get these two boys? Where does he get two boys? I'll feel Moshe. It's incredible. He learns that from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Gershom The sons of Mo- Moshe Rabbeinu had two sons. Right? Now, we'll say, now, so what Moshe Rabbeinu had two sons? The rest of this is Moshe Rabbeinu had two sons. And then remember, what does Moshe Rabbeinu do? He separated from his wife. Now, Bipashtos, Moshe would only have separated from his wife if what? If he knew that he had fulfilled the mitzvah of Piri of of going ahead and, and, and procreating. So therefore, for Moshe Rabbeinu, Beisil, Beisil says, Yalfilam Ibriyasa Shalolam. This is incredible. Beisil says, we learned it from the creation of the world. Hashem, so to speak, fulfilled or performed the first mitzvah, Piri Berivya. Right? Hashem fulfilled the first mitzvah of procreation. How did he do it? A man and a woman. They will say, by the, so therefore, our mitzvah, Piri Berivya, is also a boy and a girl. They will say, isn't it absolutely incredible that according to Beisil, we model our mitzvahs 
ultimately, again, after how the Ribbono Shalolam himself acted, which becomes a paradigm in our lives. The Gemara Masech Sota says, you have to walk in the ways of Hashem. So the Gemara says, how can you walk in the ways of Hashem? Kadesh Baruch Hu is an all-consuming fire. So the Gemara explains what it means is emulation of the divine attributes. We look at what Hashem does and how Hashem excuse me, behaves, and we emulate those very behaviors. And I both see this in a lachic sense as well. Basilo says, how do I perform the mitzvah perivirivya? Well, let me look at what Hashem did. Let me look at what Hashem did. And what did Hashem do? Boy and a girl. Man and a woman. So to my mitzvah period of Rivia is also a boy and a girl. Why doesn't Beishamah agree with Beishilal? Learn out the mitzvah period of Rivia from the creation of the world. To which Beishamah says very simple. This is incredible. You can't learn out something that is possible for something that is impossible. As I will say, when the Rebbe created the first people, he had to create a man and woman. Why? Why? Because there was no else, there was no other way for the world to move forward. So you can't say, but now, again, it could very well be that our mitzvah period is fundamentally different than the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu performed it. So I this is an incredible, incredible sugya. Beisilel. Why don't you learn like Beishamai and say that the mitzvah is two boys modeled after who? Modeled after who? Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's listen to this. Because Beishilo will say, we'll say, Samech Beizom Adalif. Second line down. Amri Lecha, Moshe Midaitehu Da'avid. Wow. Wow. I will say, Moshe Rabbeinu acted of his own volition. When Moshe Rabbeinu separated from his wife, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not tell him to do that. He did that on his own. Because he did it on his own, Basilel says, you cannot learn binding future halacha based on what Moshe Rabbeinu did of his own volition. So I will say, here we go. Disanya. Now the Gemara is going to go on a little bit of a tangent to speak about this point. Disanya. We're looking at Brian Saul. Get ready for this. I will say, Shlosha Dvarim. Shlosha Dvarim Asa Moshe Rabbeinu did three things of his own volition, right? Abhiskima. But Akhalish Baruch Hu agreed with it. And I was saying, the Lushan number is actually very interesting. The Eskimo means, and he was mechavin. So literally, his decision aligned with the divine decision. So Moshe Rabbeinu acted on his own three times, right? Acted of his own volition three times. And those three times, what he did actually was, was in alignment with the divine will. Here we go. Both say, what did he do? Isha. So step number one is, Moshe Rabbeinu went ahead and separated from his wife. Number two, Shibra Saluchos. He broke the Luchos when he came down and he saw the eagle, the golden calf. And it was he added on one additional day to the preparation days before Kabbalah Satora. Right? Again, we'll, we'll explain all of these in just a moment. So we'll say, Pirish Isha. Let's go through each of these. So he separated from his wife, Tzipora. Why? My Darash. What did he darshan? So he said, Amar. So Moshe thought like this. He said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he told Kalal Yisrael that he was going to appear by Matan Torah on Har Sinai, he gives the people instructions and he tells them, separate from your wives. Right? He wanted everybody to be ritually pure. Man becomes impure through a seminal emission. So in preparation for Kabbalah Satora, Husbands and wives had to separate. 
And Moshe Rabbeinu says, Kashbaruch Hu told Klal Yisrael when he was arriving, right? When, when he was going to appear. And yet Klal Yisrael was still obligated to separate a few days before. Ani so Moshe says, me, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could talk to me when, could appear to me when, when, at any time. Therefore what? I must be in a constant state of preparedness. Therefore Moshe Rabbeinu decided, I can't live with my wife. As a normal husband lives with his wife, I have to separate from my wife so I could be in a constant state of preparedness. Ultimately, and that Moshe Rabbeinu, he was like mechavein, like Baruch Shekivanto. He was mechavein to that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted from him. After HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Aseris Adibros, so what happens? HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, tell the people to return back to their tents. The Rabbi say, Ohel is often a metaphor for a marital relationship. Tell the people now that they have received the Torah, they can go back to their wives. But you, Moshe, you stay with me. You stay with me. So that says the Gemara is the Raya that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was masking. HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed to Moshe Rabbeinu's behavior to separate from Tzipora. That's number one. Number two, Shibra Saluchos. Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from Harasina and he sees that the Jewish people built the Egel, they built a golden calf. So what does he do? He breaks the luchos, he breaks the tablets. So my darash, I will say that this is incredible. What did Moshe Rabbeinu darshan, right? How do you arrive at the decision to break the luchos? Watch this. Amar, Uma Pesach Shu Amra Torah Lo Yochal Bo. So I say, listen to this. So the Pasuk, so we, we know there's one, Moshe says, listen, there's one Pasuk, right? What's the one Pasuk? Karban Pesach. By Karban Pesach, the Torah says, Kol Ben Nechar. Rabbi say, now what does Ben Nechar literally mean? A guy, right? A non-Jew, a non-Jew, or for that matter, again, even someone who's not circumcised, is not permitted to go ahead and participate in Karban Pesach. Which Rabbi say means, if you are theologically alienated, you are not permitted to engage in Karban Pesach. So the Gemara says, so, so Torah Kula, I'm about to give them the Torah. He's coming down with the Luchos. And Klal Yisrael are mumrim. They're mumrabos, right? They built the Egel, they built the golden calf, which at least according to some was Avodah They are theologically alienated. How can I possibly give them the Torah? So I said, so therefore Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Luchos. He broke the Luchos. And I will say, ultimately, again, how do you know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed, or that Moshe Rabbeinu's das was in line with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's das? The Pasuk, when, it, when Hashem's talking to Moshe Rabbeinu, talks about the Luchos, Asher Shibarta, Amrei Shlagish, Omer HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Moshe, Yashakochacha, Sheshibarta. He gave him a Shkoyach. Shkoyach, that you broke the Luchos. And I was saying, this is a fascinating Gemara, because if you take a look at Tosis for just a moment, Tosis says, HaTorah Kula V'Yisrael Mumrim, Ein Zekavachomer Gomer, we both said it's pretty wild. Tosa says, uh, Moshe, I think your Kavachomer is not good. Right? Why isn't your Kavachomer good? Watch. So remember again, what was Moshe in his Kavachomer? 
If by carbon Pesach, which is one mitzvah, the Torah says if you're theologically alienated, you can't participate in it, I'm about to give them the Torah. And they are mumrim, right? They are mumrim, right? They're engaged in Avodah Zarah. Of course I can't give them the Torah. Tulsa says, nah, doesn't work. I'll tell you why. The shiny Pesach Mishum Kachim. Pesach is different because Pesach is sacrificial items. It's great. It's Kachim. Aval Kola Torah Kula Adarabah. Yeshlo Lelamdam Ulachzirim Bitshuva. Rabosai, who needs Torah most? Who needs Torah most? Sadikim don't need Torah most. You know who needs Torah most? Mumrim. Mumrim. All the more so you should have given them Torah. All the more so you should have given them Torah, Moshe. If they're mumrim and they're acting in such a ridiculous way, if they're so theologically and spiritually alienated, who needs Torah more than that? Okay, so Tosa says Moshe Rabbeinu is Kavachomer, is not a Kavachomer. I'll add in one more. The after of the Oav Yisrael, the Rebbe of Heshlon, Chanukah Satora, he says, by the way, Moshe Rabbeinu also, your Kavachomer is not good. Why does your Kavachomer is not good, Rabbi because if you want to build a Kavachomer from, if you want to build a Kavachomer, ultimately again from, from Pesach, there's a Pirch on the Kavachomer, says the Rebbe Rab Heschel, the after of why? What's the Kavachomer? Pesach has Pesach Sheni, right? There's a make-up date. There's a make-up date. You're right. A Benichar can't go ahead and participate in the Pesach Rishon. Or if you tell me you can't participate in the Pesach because there's a make-up date. It doesn't give you the license to go ahead and break the luchos. So I will say, you now have Tosis and the Abderav, who both say that the Kavachomer of Moshe Rabbeinu is not good. Okay, so what do I do? So I will say, there's another Medrash. And the Medrash brings down that when Moshe Rabbeinu came down, first there's the Gemara, right? The Gemara Meseches uh, Megillah, we saw Megillah, right? I will say Meseches Megillah brings down that in the luchos, the osios were parachos. There was a miracle in the, in the tablets that the letters were suspended, right? The letters were engraved, but like, for example, the Samach, right? Which is a circle, right? There was like a piece of stone suspended there in the middle. The Medrash brings down that when Moshe Rabbeinu came down and saw that they had built the eagle, Osios Parchos, the letters left the Luchos. The letters left the Luchos. So it could very well be that the moment that Moshe Rabbeinu saw that the letters left the luchos, there was no big deal in smashing the tablets, the luchos. Why? Because at that point in time, they were were just what? They were just what? They were just stone. They were just stone. So maybe maybe that's the shot, maybe that's the idea over here, that Moshe was able to smash it because they were just stone. There is one more piece, the Satmarav. The Satmarav, says something so beautiful. There's one more Gemara section that we have, that we have to go on. Stop forcing me to talk more about these things. Right? So again, there's one more piece. The Gemara Masech Shabbos. The Gemara Masech Shabbos says that Moshe Rabbeinu made a calculated decision to go ahead and break the Luchos. Why? He says the Luchos were like the Ksuva. They were like the marriage contract between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu saw this act of the eagle as an act of adultery. He said, better to go ahead and smash the ksuva, so at least, at least, if they're going ahead and committing adultery, let's do it before the marriage happens. He smashed the marriage contract between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klaud Yisrael, thereby diminishing the severity of the sin of the Egel. Sat Merav says something amazing. Why does Moshe Rabbeinu get, get a shkoyach? Listen to this. He gets a shkoyach for the Messiah. Do you realize the chutzpah? The chutzpah? that it took to smash the luchos. Can you, can you imagine? Uh, again, it's unimaginable. Don't, don't try this at home. 
Right? Don't, don't try anything like this at home. Moshe Rabbeinu was walking down with the luchos that were written by God. He sees the people building a golden calf, and he decides unilaterally, unilaterally to smash the luchos. Who gives you the right? Who do you think I got it, Moshe Rabbeinu? This is God's handiwork. What right do you have to smash it? Moshe Rabbeinu decided, whatever the, my punishment is, my punishment will be. But I'm going to do whatever I can to diminish the severity of the infraction of my people. I'm going to do whatever I can to go ahead and try to save Klal Yisrael. And says the Satmarav, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that Moshe Rabbeinu was Moser Nefesh, put his own life online, because Moshe Rabbeinu did not know what the punishment for smashing the Luchos was going to be, but he was willing to take one for the team, no matter what it was. Chedesh Baruch Hu sees that level of Mesiras Nefesh for Klal Yisrael, that level of self-sacrifice, and Chedesh Baruch Hu says, Asher Shibarta, Yasher Koach Sher Shibarta. Because it was say when Chedesh Baruch Hu sees that we are Moser Nefesh, that we're willing to sacrifice, that we're willing to give, that we're willing to put ourselves out there for the benefit of our Kehila, of our community, of our Klal, Chodesh Baruch Hu gives us the biggest shkayach in the world. That, says the Sant Marav, was the shkayach of Moshe Rabbeinu. Not simply a breaking of the luchos, but a breaking of the luchos and having no idea what was going to happen to you as a result of this course of action. But a willingness to absorb whatever punishment was going to come your way simply because you're willing to do anything and everything you can to ameliorate the severity, to downplay the severity of the sinful behavior of your beloved people. That's the shkayach. Moshe added on one additional day to the preparations for Shavuos. So the Moshe my Darish, what did he darshan? The Kiddash Shema Yom Bachar. The boss is interesting. When he talks to Moshe, he gives Moshe two days. Sanctify yourself today and tomorrow. So it seems that Hashem just wanted the people to have two days of preparation. So but Moshe said like this, Ma Machar, Hayom Kimachar. Tomorrow, today has to be like tomorrow. Ma machar lelo imo, just like tomorrow is a full day, the night and the day. Af hayom lelo lelo imo, so too today has to have the night included with it. Belayla da idna nafakle. The problem is Hashem was talking to Moshe by day. Shema mina, tre yomi lebarmea idna. So Moshe understood that Hashem was saying when Hashem said two days, he meant two complete days in addition to the one in which we are currently in. So it turns out that Hashem just wanted three days of preparation. Moshe Rabbeinu ended up adding on a third day. And I will say, how do we know that Hashem agreed with Moshe Rabbeinu? Ultimately, because the Shechina doesn't come until when? The third day. <laughs> the third day. Had Moshe Rabbeinu been wrong, the Shechina would have showed up on Friday instead of Shabbos. But Kabbalah Satorah ultimately is on Shabbos. And therefore, so that shows that Hashem agreed with Moshe. Rebbe said, by the way, j- just to point out, why, why did we get into this, right? First of all, you, Rashi has an interesting idea. Rashi says over at Shabsa, Mesecha Shabsa, Rabbi Akiva, Gamrino Law, Do'avut Prisha Ba'arba B'Shabsa, O Pirshu Chamishi V'Shishi Shleimim, O B'Shabsa Shaya. Rebbe said, in the year in which they received the Torah, the Torah was received on Shabbos. So the days of separation were Friday, Thursday, Wednesday. It was on Wednesday during the day that Hashem appeared to Moshe Rabbeinu. And then it was then that Moshe Rabbeinu said and made the calculation, I think we need two complete days. So therefore he added on Wednesday, and then there was Thursday and Friday as well. Kabbalah Satorah is on a Shabbos. I will say just so we, just so we don't get lost in this. Why, why did we bring this up? 
Well, also, rather, I'll just say, okay, one more piece. Also, the Hosef Moshe Midaito, again, a Sat Marav, asks, he says, I don't understand, why would Moshe Rabbeinu add on one day? After all, isn't there a concept of Zrizin Makdimin Lemitzus? Right? They all say, where's the Zrizos? You're adding on one day, aren't you excited to, aren't you excited to go ahead and get the Torah? But yet you're delaying it one more day. What about Zrizin Makdimin Lemitzus? Zrizos. So we'll say, Salman says something amazing. You see from here that hachana for a mitzvah is also a mitzvah. Hey, see, I will say, we often think that hachana, preparing yourself for spiritual service, is just like a nice thing. No, hachana, preparing yourself to properly perform a mitzvah, that's a mitzvah also. So there was zrizos, there was zrizos, says the Satmarav. It was zrizos for hachana, and hachana is just like this. I will say, this is something that so often is, is, is hard, it's lost on us a little bit. Because I will say, the notion of hachana, of preparing myself before I go ahead and I do something, the l'shem yichod, right? Whatever the mitzvah is, but putting myself in the right frame of mind before I perform the mitzvah so as to maximize the experience, that in and of itself is not just simply a preparatory act, but that in and of itself is a mitzvah. Okay, beautiful. So again, why do we get into all of this? Remember, we're, we're, we're in the Sugya period of Rivia. That's, that's where we are. Machlogis Hashem Beisilel. Beishamai says, two boys. Beisilel, boy and a girl. So the Gemara says, where does Beishamai get his, get, get, his, get his position from? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu has two boys, then he separates from his wife. Beisilel did not, does not accept that as a source for the halacha, why not? Because Beisilel says, Moshe Rabbeinu did that on his own. He did that on his own side. But Beisilel says, is Moshe Rabbeinu chose to separate from his wife of his own volition, of his own volition. Which kind of leaves open according to Beisilel, did Moshe Rabbeinu fulfill the Mitzvah Pervarivya or not? Right? That, that's an unknown, but it could very well be what Beisilel is saying is, look, Moshe Rabbeinu kind of operated on, on a different level, on a different level. But Moshe Rabbeinu decided to separate from his wife of his own volition. It happens to be that ex post facto, Hashem agreed with him but Lamaisi, you can't bring a raya, says Basila from Moshe Rabbeinu. Good. So let's get back to Perivarivia. Says the Gemara, Tanya, so now we're going to have a couple of versions of Machlongiz Hashem Basila. So Tanya, Rabbi Nassim, Rabbi Shammai, Omrim, Shnei Zechar, Mushtei Nekevas. Listen to this. Rabbi Nassim says, Beishamai says, the Mitzvah Perivarivia is two boys and two girls. Four kids. Four kids, two boys and two girls. Obeisila, Omrim, Zacha, Unekevas. So let's say now, the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the divide has become much more pronounced. Right? So according to Beis Hila, now we've got four kids, two boys, two girls, Beis Hila, one boy, one girl. I'm Rav Huna. My time is Rabbi Nassan. I'll leave it to Beis Shammai. I will say, now we'll say, this is Rabbi Nassan's version of Beis Shammai. Where does Rabbi Nassan get that? According to Beis Shammai, you need four kids, two boys, two girls. So listen to this. Dixiv, Vatosef, Laledes, Es Achiv, Es Hevel. Right? So I'll say, listen to this. By, by Chavo. The Pasik Dash, we dash in the Pasik, but Tosef, right? Chava gave birth as Ochiv as Hevel. Now, we'll say Rashi points out over here, Buzzer points out over here that, well, let's read it. So, as Hevel as Hevel, Hevel Vachoso, Kain Vachoso. So, we'll say the way the Pasik goes ahead and discusses when, when Chava gives birth, she gives birth to as Kain as Hevel. S is a reboy. S comes to include something else, which teaches us that what? Both Kain and Hevel were born with twin sisters. Right, so essentially, essentially, in the first act, human act of procreation, Adam and Chava have four children, two boys 
and two girls. And what happens? Furthermore, after, after Cain kills Hevel, Chava has another son, Shais, and she says that Hashem has replaced for me the son that was killed by Cain. The idea that Chava is saying replaced, in other words, I have now fulfilled the Mitzvah period of Arivya because Hashem has given me, quote-unquote, a replacement son. But according to Rabbi Nossin, you see from here that according to Be'i Shammai, the Mitzvah period of Arivya is four children, two boys and two girls, really mirroring, right, the first human act of procreation of Adam and Chava. Incredible. So the Gemara says, V'rabanan, Chava was not saying from a halachic perspective, but rather Chava was just simply thanking Hashem for Shays. Tanya Yidach, Rabbi Nosson, Rabbi Rabbi Nosson, Rabbi Shammai, Om Zachar, and the Keva. Rabbi Shammai hold that the Mishra prayer of Rivia is a boy and a girl. Obesila, Omrim, Ozachar, Om the Keva. A boy or a girl. Rabbi said these are all just different versions of the Machlokis, Rabbi Shammai still. So Rabbi in this version, you have Rabbi Shammai saying you need a boy and a girl, and Rabbi Shammai saying what? One child, a boy or a girl. So the Gemara says, Amarava, my time with Rabbi Nasan, I'll leave it to Basilel. What's Rabbi Nasan's logic? Shinemar, lo sobar ala sheves yitzara. Because we'll say, why would Basilel say you only need one child? Because we'll say, it's actually very interesting. There's another Pasik. The Pasik that the Gemara is quoting over here is the Pasik. Lo sobar ala sheves yitzara. Pasik from Yeshaya, which literally means, literally means, Hashem has not created the world. To, re, to remain desolate. And I was saying, we're going to see that there are two mitzvos. There's a mitzvah of Perivarivya and a mitzvah of Sheves. The mitzvah of Perivarivya is a specific, is one of the, one of the 613 mitzvos that has to be performed in some particular way. In other words, it has to result in either two boys, a boy and a girl, or all these different variations. The mitzvah of Sheves is the general mitzvah of procreation, to have children. To have children, the gender, the number is not really relevant. It's just a mitzvah to populate the world. We're now, right now, the Gemara is kind of merging them. We're going to see that, in fact, there are two distinct halachic obligations. So I will say, so the, we're going to see, and by the way, that's what we're going to see. Even once a person fulfills the mitzvah pervarivia, procreation, there is still an additional mitzvah of shevs, of just populating the world. Probably in the world. Again, we'll discuss a lack of parameters of this. So therefore, again, Basila will say, now according to this version, Basila is really looking at both of these missiles kind of as one. The Mitzvah of Pervarivya and the Mitzvah of Sheves are one thing. What's the idea? Populate the world. So as soon as you've had one child, boy or girl, what have you done? What have you done? You've populated the world. Populated the world. So the Gemara says, Itmar, how you the will say, fine. So we'll say, oh, therefore, Three, three different, actually four different versions of Machlokis Yishan Beisilel. Shabbos say we are going to see the authoritative version is going to be the version in our Mishnah, where you have Beisilel saying you have to have a boy and a girl, Beishamai saying you have to have two boys. That's going to be the authoritative version of the Machlokis. How we paskin, we'll see. Shabbos say another fascinating case. Itmar, listen to this case. Let's call him Ruvain. Let's call him Ruvain. Right? So Ruvain converts. Ruvain converts. But before he converted, Ruvain had kids. He was married. He had kids. And now he converted. So I will say, so now what's the Shaila? What's the Shaila? So do we count the kids that he had when he was a non-Jew as a fulfillment of his Mitzvah Pirivirivya? So I will say, so in other words, how, how do we look at his family that he became Jewish? Rabbi Yochanan says... Ki 
he's fulfilled the mitzvah pervarivya. The kids that he had ultimately count, even though, again, now, we'll say, now according to the Gemara, it sounds like, what, right? Reuven converted. What about his kids? What about his kids? It sounds like they didn't. Well, we'll see an interesting halacha and shulchan in just a little bit. So Rabbi Yochanan says, Kim perivrivya. Reish Lagish Shomer, Lo Kim perivrivya. Reish Lagish says, No, you didn't fulfill perivrivya. Your kids aren't Jewish. Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Kim perivrivya, the havulei. Rabbi Yochanan says, What's the very interesting? What's the Mr. perivrivya? So I will say, this goes back to what we said before that maybe, not maybe, there is a school of thought that links the mitzvah peru or avu, with sheves. If you look at it that way, then the mitzvah is what? Procreation and populating the world. If Ruvain was a guy, and when he was a guy, he had children, now he converts. Did he populate the world? Did he populate the world? Yes. So if Rabbi Yochanan will say, he's good, he's good. Wow. Reish Lakish says, one second, you're forgetting a very important point. When you go ahead and you convert, that's like a rebirth, which means what? All previous relationships are at least halachically severed. You're not halachically related to anyone when you convert. As such, he has no halachic connection to those children, and therefore, again, he has not fulfilled the mitzvah of Peru or Ravu. The Azla Tamayu says the Gemara, they go according to their respective reasoning. The Itmar We'll say four lines down in the wide lines. If a person had children when he was not Jewish, then he converted. Rabbi Yochanan says, so we'll say, this is a different Rabbi Yochanan, Omer, So we'll say, let, let's, let's go with this case. There's a guy, Joe, right? Joe has two sons, right? Right? Joe, Joe Jr. and Joe II, right? See, so he has two sons when he's a non-Jew. So we'll say, now Joe decides to convert. Joe decides to convert. Let's say Joe now converts and he has another son. Another son. So we'll say, what's the Shiloh? What's the Shiloh? Is that son that he had now when he's Jewish, is he called the Halachic Bukhar? Now we'll say, now why does that matter? Because the Bukhar gets Pishnaim, right? The Bukhar gets a double portion. So Rabbi Yochanan says, We'll say, look at Rashi. Rabbi Yochanan says, no. The son that Joe the convert now has when he's Jewish is not called the Bukhar. Then I will say, now, this is Rabbi Yochanan Lashitas, because Rabbi Yochanan holds that what? Children that you have when you're not Jewish count as what? Count as what? As children for Pir of Rivia. Now, obviously, a child that Joe had when he was not Jewish is not going to get a double portion, right? Why not? Why not? Because double portion is a din in Jewish offspring. But the offspring that Joe had when he was not Jewish count as his offspring. And therefore, the first, the son that he has when he becomes Jewish is not a halachic bachar. Feishlagish says, no, that's not true. Yeshla bachar the nachalah. Gershin is kai kadosh nolo dami. Feishlagish says, not true. Not true. The child that Joe the convert has, when he converts, that's a halachic bachar. Why? Because when a person converts, ultimately again, what? What's the halacha? It's like a child that's been reborn. A child that's been, been reborn. And therefore, again, he has no halachic relationship to any of the children he had before. So you might as well say, so first of all, they're saying the same things. Why do you have to restate the same case twice? With Tzricha, I'll tell you why. Had you just said the first case of Perivarivya, I would have said, So I would have said, Rabbi Yochanan holds, in the case of Puravu, that children you have when you're a guy count towards the Perivarivya. Why? Because as we're going to see, non-Jews also have a mitzvah procreation. Now, not the mitzvah Perivarivya, 
but the mitzvah of Sheves, of populating the world. So that's why Bechol says, we said the Shida, but in when it comes to laws of inheritance, non-Jews don't have the same laws of inheritance that Jews do. I might have thought that Rabbi Yochanan agrees with Reish Lakish. V'yitmar b'ha, b'ha kam Reish Lakish, avabahi imodle Rabbi Yochanan. Therefore, tzicha. Rabbi Yochanan, in other words, you could not have necessarily gleaned one case from the other. Therefore, halacha l'maysa, you need both. Incredible. So I'll say, Eish Rabbi Yochanan Reish Lakish, Rabbi Yochanan is kashat Reish Lakish, so now again, remember. So according to Rish Lakish, Rish Lakish's whole shita is that halacha lamaisa, there is no connection between a convert and his Gentile family once he converts. No, no halachic connection. So I'll say, now watch this. Says, asks Rabbi Yochan Rish Lakish, ba'isahi shalach biradach beladon ben beladon melech bavel. So I'll say, here you see a case where what? Where halacha lamaisa, the Navi is recording relationships between non-Jews and their offspring. So you see from here that there is a connection between non-Jews and their offspring. So listen to this. Reish Lakish is not disagreeing that when a person is a Gentile, there's absolutely a connection between father and children. Where does Reish Lakish say that the relationship is severed? When Rabbi say when? Upon conversion, upon conversion, that's, that's what happens. Upon conversion, that's when the relationship itself is severed. To which the Everyone agrees, however, with a slave, right, that in Eved, there is no relationship of paternity, right, between a father and his sons by Abadim. The Gemara says, Interestingly enough, the Gemara compares Avadim to a Hamar, to donkeys. Just like a donkey, right, ultimately again has no, we'll call it paternity or familiar relationship. So to an Evet, Siva, who was an Evet, who was a servant, right, an Evet Kenani of Shaul. Yet the Pasuk says that he had 15 sons and 20 servants. When it says like his sons, it means like a par ben bakar. Right? I will say just like the Torah speaks about a carbonus, a par ben bakar. So, so to avoid and have that type of relationships. But it is not a halachically, it is not a genealogy, it is not a meaningful halachically genealogical relationship. Ihachi, hachenami. Why don't I say the same thing by evil bro, like we spoke about before. Shiny hasam, diachsinu bishemaihu, ubishma da'avuan. What you have over here, according to the Gemara, is something really interesting. Non-Jews, right? Non-Jews absolutely have intact genealogical relationships. Who doesn't have intact genealogical relationships? Avadim. Then I will say, that has to do with the general concept that Avadim are also known to be what? Incredibly immoral. So because there's a fundamental lack of morality, there's also considered to be a lack of of familial lines. So non-Jews have intact genealogical genealogy. Avadim do not. According to Shlokish, where does the problem occur? Not problem, but where does the interesting issue occur? Upon conversion. Because according to Shlokish, a person who converts is considered to be a tabla rasa blank slate, and there are the previous familial relationships he had are severed. Are severed. Reish Lakish says that's true even in a period of Arabia situation. So if you have a person, right, Joe, who had two boys and two girls. So I will say, which means what? He's good according to everyone. Now he converts. According to Reish Lakish, he now has a brand new, renewed obligation of 
Piria Verivia. Incredible. So it says, Dima Viva Isema, Yachsino Bedukta, Achrisi Bavun, Ubaava Davun. Furthermore, again, I will say it's different by, oh, he brings another example by Goyim, that when the Torah, when the, when the, when the Novi goes out of its way to, to, to tell you their family tree, both their fathers and their grandfathers, Bechsiv, Vayeshalachim, Hamelach Asa, El Ben Adar, Ben Tavimon, Ben Chizayom, Melach Aram, Hayoshe Bedamasek, Lemor. Fine. So we'll say, Idmar, let's go back to Sivar. We'll say, what we have over here is, Non-Jews have intact genealogy. Avadim do not have intact genealogy. The Shailah is when a person converts. Does, do, does their relationship to their children follow them in a halachic sense? Rabbi Yochanan says yes. And therefore, again, they fulfill the Sapir of Rivia. Rish Lakish says no. Again, we'll see the halacha of tomorrow. Itmar, hayulu banu They both say a tragic case. What happens if a person had children? Whether, whatever it is, Kren Yosham is Kren and then the child dies, Rahmar al Islam. I will say, what's the status of their mitzvah of Pirivarivya? Rafuna Markim Pirivarivya. Rafuna says, You fulfilled your mitzvah. Your mitzvah is to bring children into this world. What happens after that does not impact your mitzvah. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Lokiyem. Rabbi Yochanan says, No. The mitzvah, I will say, according to Shabbos, is actually fascinating. The mitzvah is to have children and what? To see those children what? Have children. How goes we're going to see this idea? And therefore, if Chas Shalom a child dies, the parent has not fulfilled the mitzvah peru revu. Rafuna Markie Mishun de Ravasi. Rafuna say fulfilled the mitzvah because Ravasi dam Ravasi. Everyone says this is incredible. Ain ben David ba at shiichlu kol an hashama shavuguf. Rabbi say this is absolutely wild. Rabbi say take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Mishun de Ravasi. Kilomar taima de per verivia. Mishun de Ravasi. Rabbi say get ready for this. What is why is there a mitzvah per verivia? Right, so we'll say, what is the purpose of procreation? What is the purpose of that mitzvah? So we'll say, so listen to this. So we often assume the purpose of the mitzvah is, the purpose of the mitzvah is to populate the world. There's a more esoteric piece as well. Look at Rashi. We'll listen to this. There is a chamber in Shemaim called the Guf. Called the Guf. That's the name of the chamber in Shemaim. In the Guf, in that chamber, are housed all of the neshamas, all of the souls. Mashiach only comes when that chamber is emptied out from all of the souls. The purpose of Puriya is to empty out the chamber, because when a person has a child, they draw out one of the souls from that chamber, and as soon as that chamber is emptied out, Mashiach comes. Which I will say you should understand on a deeper level, one of the reasons why there is so much simcha, that surrounds the birth of a Jewish child is why? Is why? Because ultimately, again, the, the Mashiach is one step closer. Literally, again, there's one less soul in that chamber, which brings Mashiach just a little bit closer. That's the Simcha. Sefer Bos, listen to this. Sefer Vuna says, if a person had children and Nebuch, the child died, you still fulfill them as a prayer of because what's the point of Perivia, at least, at least according to Rafuna, is to empty out the guf, to empty out the chamber. You've accomplished that. You've accomplished that. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan takes a more practical level. What's the point of Perivia? To populate the world. The truth is, real population of the world occurs when you have a child, and then we're going to see when that child has a child as well. But if the child chas v'shalom dies before that child ever had a chance to procreate, then the I haven't fulfilled my mitzvah. 
So Meisve, let's analyze Amud Bey's Meisve. Bnei Banim Harehin Kibanim. Bosse, listen to this. Incredible. Grandchildren are like children. And this is a beautiful sentiment, right? In fact, the true, the, the real thing is, grandchildren are even better than children, right? Because Lamaisa, they go home, right? right? You know, at, at, at the end of the day, right, you can have them for all of the fun. And then Baruch Hashem, when they get cranky, it's someone else's problems. Say, so ultimately, again, but on a halachic sense, the Gemara says, B'nei banim harehim kibanim. What does this mean? Look at Rashi. The way the Gemara's understand this, and this is incredible, is meaning that what? That if a person, let's say, had children, we'll say, let's watch this for just a moment. Let's say Reuven had two sons. Yaakov had two sons, Reuven and Shimon, right? Reuven passed away. But before Reuven passed away, Reuven himself had a son, had a son. So we'll say, what's that, Lacha? Even though Reuven passed away, Yaakov still fulfills his mitzvah prayer of Yahow. How? Through Ruvain's son. B'nei banim harim kibanim. So I will say, if a person lost a child, but before their child passed away, chas shalom, the child had a, had a child, that child could f- help fulfill the grandparents' obligation of pervarivya, to which the Gemara says, kitanya hi lahashlim. No, no, no. In a halachic sense, I will say what that means is, a grandchild helps to fill in the gaps for the grandparents. What does that mean? Look at Rashi. grandchildren up? Watch this. Let's say Yaakov only had one son. He only had one son. Say, right? He had one son, Reuven. What happens now? Reuven gets married. Reuven gets married. And Reuven himself has a daughter. Has a daughter, Rachel. So grandchildren like children. So now Yaakov, the grandfather, has fulfilled the mitzvah pervarivya. How? Through his granddaughter. He has one son and now a granddaughter. He fulfills his mitzvah of pervarivya through grandchildren. So grandchildren like children. I will say, what does it mean ultimately again that grandchildren are like children? If Chas Shalom again, one of his children passed away, or one of his children was found to be sterile, Rabbi will talk about this that part of the mitzvah pervarivya is not just having children, but it's having children who themselves will have children. In any of these cases, a child passed away was found to be sterile. Ultimately, a person has not fulfilled the Mitzvah Pervarivya, to which the Gemara says, Tiyufta dirafuna tiyufta. This effectively refutes Rafuna's position. So I will say, so remember again, Rafuna holds that if a person had children, and then let's say a child passed away, the fact that you had the child, even the child passed away, you fulfilled the Mitzvah Pervarivya. I will say, the Gemara says, Rafuna, you're wrong. And I will say, this is how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that if a person had children, but one of the child, let's say a person had a son and a daughter like Beis Hillel, and then the son passed away before he was able to have children, before he was able to have children himself, ultimately, again, the parent has not fulfilled the mitzvah pervarivya, which I will say shows you something amazing. What you begin to see is as we go through this sugya, the mitzvah pervarivya is expanding, right? When, how did it start? How did it start? Stage one is what? Is what? Having children. Okay. Two boys, a boy and a girl, that remains to be seen. Now, we've just expanded it in a dramatic way. That's, that, that's the beginning of the mitzvah. Then what has to happen, Abba said, then what has to happen? My children have to get married. And then what has to happen after that? 
my children have to have children. So it turns out, Rabbi that the mitzvah pervarivya is not simply having children. It's having children, having your children get married, and when your children have children, that's then the mitzvah pervarivya. Now, how many kids, how many grandchildren do you have to have to fulfill the mitzvah pervarivya? We'll see. But both say, but it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing because we woke up this morning, right? And the world, right? We woke up this morning. You say, it's Sunday. Everything is great. And you thought somebody would have stopped you on the way to Shul. Tell me, what's the Mitzvah Perivia? You would have said what? You would have said what? Having children. All right, whatever. Now, I will say, again, two hours after or however long you after we woke up in the morning, my whole life changed. My entire world changed. Suddenly, again, Perivia is having children. And then it's my children having children. Only then... Only then have I fulfilled the mitzvah pervarivia. And I will say, the exact halachic parameters of that remain to be seen. Let's go weiter. When we say that, that grandchildren are like children, so originally Abayah thought what this means is what? A son who has a son, a daughter has a daughter. Or for daughter has a son. But a, but a, but a daughter to a son would not work. Rava says no, when it comes to grandchildren, when it comes to grandchildren, ultimately the respective genders of the grandchildren doesn't make any difference. Again, grandchildren have the ability so if, if, let's say, the child passed away, grandchildren have the ability to plug the period of a rivia hole. I apologize for speaking so technically, but you understand, to plug the period of a rivia hole, no matter what gender those grandchildren may be. I, the Gemara says, Vaha Ika, the Kuli Alma. So the Gemara says, Mias, Tre Mechad Lo. So I will say, here's what's interesting. The Gemara says, Vaha Ika Kuli Alma, Everybody agrees with the following. Here's what's interesting. Everyone agrees as follows. When could grandchildren flood the period of a rivia hole with chas from the death of a child? That's when it's the child who passed away leaves behind children. But let's say Yaakov has two sons, Reuven and Shimon. Reuven passes away with no children. Shimon has two kids. We don't say that Shimon's two kids could plug the hole for Ruvain's absence. The only time that grandchildren could plug the period of Arivia hole left by, left by the death of a child is when it's that child who passed away who left behind children. But children from another sibling will not work to plug the period of Arivia hole. Okay. Is that true? So I'll say, so apparently... So the, the rabbis used to say to Rav Sheshes, you see Rav Sheshes, get married and have children. Well, so apparently Rav Sheshes was married. He lost, he lost a child and his fellow colleagues were urging him to get remarried. And Rav Sheshes says, no, I don't have to get remarried. The sons of my daughter are like my sons. So apparently he lost the son without, and son didn't leave behind children, but he had a daughter and his daughter had sons. So Rav Sheshes says, I don't have to get remarried because my daughter has sons and my daughter's sons allow me to fulfill the mitzvah period of Arivia. So I'll say, what do you see from there? It sounds like from there, the halach is that what? That again, even if one child passed away without sons or without children, the remaining child's children could count to plug the period of Arivia hole left by the deceased child. 
to which the Gemara says, Hasam But say the truth is there, Rav Sheshaz wasn't putting forward a halachic argument. He was simply, he was simply kind of pushing them away. Why? So Rav Sheshaz, So listen to this. Rav Sheshaz was sterile. That's what happened to Rav Sheshaz couldn't have children. And I will say, now why couldn't he have children? He became sterile as a result of the shear of Rav Huna. And I will say, now what happened there? Look at Rashi. Shayamarech bidrashav. I will say Rav Huna used to give a very long shear. Used to give very long drashas. And I will say what happened is Rav Sheshis was sitting in shear, never wanted to get up in the middle of shear. Right? So what happened? He would hold urine. He would go ahead and refrain from going to the bathroom for a long time. And as a result, the Gemara says, and they became sterile. Now, listen, here's what's interesting. It doesn't seem that, that urine holding is, is a reason for male sterility, at least presently. It's possible, right? it's possible that Lamaise again, just physiologically, we know that there are certain things physiologically that are just different. It could also be based on the medical knowledge they had, they associated urine holding with male sterility. Either way, either way, Rav Sheshes was sterile. So he was just kind of pushing. I will say, by the way, also, this Rashi, this is a good, I, I'm cobbled on most of the Rashi is going to be much shorter from now on, right? So everything is much shorter. I will say, but the idea over here also is, first of all, I will say, just the understanding, like the Kavarat Torah, Rav Sheshes, how badly he must have had to go to the bathroom, but yet he did not want to interrupt the shear. He did not want to go ahead. It's took on a, a number of, first of all, out of, out of COVID for Rav Sheshes, Right, out of a disruptive nature of moving around, you know, during Shir. And I say also Torah. He didn't want to lose out on the Torah. So take care of your needs before, take care of your needs after. I said, obviously, this is not good. This is not good. The Gemara doesn't, right? This is not the expectation that the Gemara has. Remember, unfortunately, it had a terrible consequence for Rosheshas. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa. So therefore, don't bring a riot from Rav Sheshis' statement. Rav Sheshis was sterile. That's who's saying, I have no obligation to get remarried because I can't have children. So the Gemara says, I'm really Let's just end with this. From where do we know this concept that Rabbanon said, This idea that grandchildren are like children. I will say, what do we learn it from? Maybe it's from Lavan. That after Lavan runs after Yaakov and he catches up with Yaakov and he says, Yaakov, why did you run away? The children are my children. Right, the sons are my sons. The, the, girl, the, the girls are my right, the, girl, the girls are my daughters. So I will say, so maybe it's from Lavan. Lavan said to Yaakov, your grandchildren are like my children. Lavan also said, the sheep is my sheep. So I will say, so how, how literally do we take this statement? Ella, the Gemara says, Ella de Kanos Minai, Hachanami de Kanos Minai, Ella me Hacha, the Achar Bachetron, Albas Machir, Albas Machir, Avigilad, Batela Loas Sugov. So let's listen to this. We learned it out from a very interesting source. The Gemara very quotes from the Pasik in Divri Hayomim. And the Gemara says, so with this will end, Chetzron married the daughter of Machir, the father of Gilad, and they had a son, Sugov Uksiv, Mine Machir Yardim Chokikim. From the descendants of Machir, lawgivers came. Now, I will say, now, Machir was from the tribe of Menashe. And yet, ultimately, Mechokikim are from Shevet Yehuda. Uksiv Yehuda Mechokike. So, I will say, so what do you see from here? It must have been that ultimately, again, he married into the tribe of Yehuda. He married into the tribe of Yehuda. And therefore, Allah or his wife is from the tribe of Yehuda. But you see that grandchildren are considered to be like children. So we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up Amir Hashem with the sugya of grandchildren more tomorrow. The rest of the sugya is a pair of Arabia. Incredible, incredible dap ahead of us in the days to come. Shkoyach.